0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good Shit. First of all, I do have to do a shout-out to my very first review on iTunes. Not only is it my very first review, not only is it a five-star rating for the review, uh, but it's a really long, really elaborate, really positive, really well-thought-out review, and it is basically... Like the first piece of official feedback that I've actually got on this podcast. So it means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Uh, on iTunes, if you want to give a rating or write a review, it's it's a little bit confusing because there is the rating, which is um, out of five stars. And to do that, you literally just tap on the stars and that's it. And then there's the review, which is actually if you want to write something to go with it. And I think for that, you just you write a title for it and then you write the content. So that is where you can actually write specific feedback to go alongside. The way it works is every single review gets added immediately. So you can see all the reviews that were ever written. But for the rating, you need to have at least five ratings, five star ratings, not five star, but five ratings to build an average. And then it actually shows what it is. So this first review was a five-star rating. So that's at least one out of five. When it gets to five, it will actually show that. And I I would love to get there. So if you've not rated it yet, you don't need to write a review. You can just rate the star. That's that's good enough. Um, Then that would be super awesome. The second thing is I'm actually... Um, reaching out to different, um, sponsors potentially to have a nice sponsor for the good shit. This is so legit. And if any of you has any bright ideas about that or any useful connections, uh, then, then we're totally open for that. I say we because it's a team of 20 people. <laughs> no, it's just me. It's so funny how people feel like they're not legitimate enough unless they use this corporate we it's like no come on where did you know did you know that something like around half i can't remember if it's just under half or over half of all registered uk businesses are sole director companies basically one person one director that is also the, the the only employee the, the only owner or whatever. So um, we're all floating around on our own. <laughs> but that's not the topic for this episode. I thought I'd do a hopefully a quick one. I mean, yeah, you know, famous last words. On competitive transitioning. Now, this is a topic of great heat in the trans community around who is more trans, who's a more valid trans person. And it just feeds into the general competition that everyone has in terms of attractiveness and in terms of how you see yourself. So um I think for trans people it also has the added layer of acceptance because the visceral reaction to attractiveness is so strong that it's very easy to pig to piggyback it to try to get other things accepted. So you know, if an attractive person you know, champion something that wouldn't in its own right be valued, then actually they can change the fashion and change the trends to make it valued. So it's actually quite a powerful thing. Um So for trans people to become an attractive version of the sex that they weren't before is a very powerful way to be accepted and to be desired even. Um It's problematic because people should be accepted and you know maybe not desired but certainly at least accepted um without having to to prove to prove things or to go to lengths uh, but you can understand why uh, uh you know trans people would kind of clutch onto that to to be accepted um and that kind of leads to a lot of a lot of people becoming very insecure about that and feeling as though that is the only way to do it right. And they want to be accepted. They want to look the right way. They want to feel good about themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you, if you just kind of do it for yourself, but when it becomes more of a trend or more of a theme, um, other people may feel as though that is the only way of doing it or that is the only best way of doing it. Um, now, again, this is not really anything to do with trans people. This is just a general thing. And I think most people go through it during puberty when you, you know, your body's being taken over by this outside force that you can't do anything about. Until recently, now you can. Now you can think more about what's going on and you can actually do things about it. You can, it can actually, um... Pause your puberty. You can delay your puberty. You can swap to the to the other kind of puberty. <laughs> Things that you weren't able to do before. Um, so in that context, when you know you your body is just being taken over by some outside force, you, well, funnily enough, it's an inside force that you can't do anything about. So the sexual and superficial nature of it in terms of what people look like drives people to judge themselves and others in specific ways that color too much about how they see themselves. And teenagers notoriously have this extremely sensitive perception of themselves and others in terms of this Pretty superficial um, property. So you have trans people who kind of have an issue with this and say, you know, let's say for trans guys, oh, you know, being a trans guy is about making up for being trans by being super, super muscly. And again, this is not even a trans thing. This applies to literally everyone. This whole concept of, oh, it's not enough to be whatever you are. You need to make a point about who you are and really go all the way with it and go to the gym and be super, super muscly and, and be super, super masculine and, and just do this, do that, do the other. Um, and, 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 and other people call them out on that and say, no, you know, this is, this is potentially a very damaging attitude because you shouldn't feel like you need to prove something and you shouldn't harm yourself in the process, which can easily happen if you push yourself to do something that you aren't prepared for. Or if you, if you do something that you know your body can't take or it's going to somehow injure you in some way, um, whether physically or mentally, of course, either way, if you, if you need to cling on to something relatively changeable, like your appearance in some ways, then you are liable to the vulnerability of what are you going to do when you're no longer going to have that. And I guess you can apply that to anyone in terms of aging generally. Some people age more gracefully than others, but the concept of having to have your self-esteem tied to something a little bit more durable and more constant and reliable than just what you look like... You know, it applies to that. I think a metaphor, I don't know if it's a metaphor or whatever it is, but an environment that kind of is, a, is almost like a poster child for this competitive, uh, well, not competitive transitioning, but let's say competitive adulting, uh, competitive puberty is the American college, um, culture. And I find this fascinating because it, you know, it has been, the main theme in so many movies, and and just, I think everyone pretty much has an image of it, right? You know, the jocks walking down the corridors, bullying people, and girls being put in this hierarchy of sluts versus prudes, you know, and these themes are so strong, regardless of Generations. I mean, you know, I'm not saying this is like a forever thing, but the the themes are very strong, and I think the themes are very reproducible. Obviously, you can have different environments in different schools in different countries where where you don't have that to such an extent. But I think the th- the thread of these energies is quite similar in all these situations. And I think the American college. I don't know. I I actually no. I think high school is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Uh, maybe college as well, but high school actually is when that happens for the first time. American high school um is where these themes seem to be allowed to run their full course and really take on the most colored version of what they can be. Um, so obviously the people, you know, the millions of people that have gone through American high school, for example, are not the same people. They're different people, different generations, different, you know, they're different. And yet these themes come up again and again and again. Why do these themes come up again and again and again? And I think it ties in with the conversation of whether gender is a social construct and in and of itself, certain features and certain practices and certain things are constructed. But I don't think, I don't think the level of asking that question is the end point of what this construct is. I think the level of asking the question is, actually, why is it happening to begin with? And, you know, hairstyle is, you know, hairstyle is a construct. Is a construct in, in the sense that it is not something innate, right? It's kind of made up. But the question is, why? Why are people making things up? And why are people so committed and bonded and invested in these made-up things. It doesn't so much matter that they're made up. It matters that people feel so strongly about them. The same with language. Yeah, you could say, oh, well, this is all made up, but that's not really the argument. The argument is, what does it mean? And if these constructs mean so much to people, it doesn't really matter their constructs. You know, if I was brought up uh, in a different time, when these glorious warriors had these luscious long locks, I would have wanted to look like that too. If I was born in France, I would speak French, right? Yes, those things are made up, and I was not born with any of that. But the desire, the instinct, the affinity, the response to these stimuli is the same. It's not about whether I want short hair because I'm a male. It's about wanting to be seen and recognized as male. And if that happens to have, if that happens to be associated with short hair, of course I'm going to want the short hair. If that happens to be associated with long hair, of course I'm going to want the long hair. It doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether I'm speaking French or English. If I want to ask for a spoon, I'm going to ask for a spoon. It doesn't matter what the word is. The intention is the same and the result is the same. So when I was growing up as a kid, obviously trans was not a thing. And, um, you know, of course, we went through these same experiences of puberty and comparing ourselves to each other and whatever. I always had a very visceral reaction to certain situations. For example, um, comparing myself to boys, um, having this kind of, uh, of otherness experience towards girls. You know, if a boy was popular... Uh, or if I, you know, if, if people were talking about him or if people were talking how attractive he is or, um, or whatever, it could have been for any reason. But if there was this sense and, and, you know, this, this is the sort of, a sort of like an instinctual sense that has nothing to do with language, has nothing to do with culture. It's a very, it's a very physical, visceral experience where you notice others and you, and you rank each other in certain ways that do not require explanation. In those environments when I would just kind of notice that, oh, this, People are talking about this boy, or this boy is is um is um in the center of attention. I would have an instant jealous response. Like, this guy's pissing me off, I wanna be that, I wanna be in that position, uh I'm better than him, you know. <laughs> it's a very typical comparing sort of thinking. Um that You know, didn't really make any sense because, you know, if, if, if you, if you're having a gendered experience and you're a girl, then why would, you know, why would you have that response towards a boy, right? That makes no sense. So this very basic, this is the kind of person I am and this is the kind of, and this is how I'm interacting with these other kinds of people. You know, it's a very sort of, um, it feels like an instinct. You know, I think, a lot of people can probably relate to this you're not necessarily thinking about how you're feeling it's just a it's just a gut response and the superficial interactions of you know exactly what you're wearing you know it doesn't really matter it's just it's a lot more basic than that now back to the point of the American high school corridor and how these people are different people, but these themes repeat themselves. Why do these themes keep repeating themselves? I think the answer to that really is that we do not have some sort of, and this is maybe like a topic for another time, controversial in its own right, but I feel like in some ways we don't actually have a personal um, let's say a personal script for who we are. I think on many levels, we are simply blank slates awaiting certain kinds of feedback. For example, if I'm five foot six and I go to a certain part of the world where that is above average height, I am inevitably and invariably going to instantly feel And be taller than pretty much most people. I'm going to maybe feel much more secure in myself, maybe superior, maybe entitled. I'm going to feel certain things just by existing in a certain shape, (laughs) in a certain kind of body, right? Uh, Now, on the flip side, if I go to a different part of the world where I will actually be shorter than most people... I will have a totally different experience. I'm the same person. My body is exactly the same. I'm the same person on the inside, on the outside. But just because of these cues, I will have a totally different experience. Um, and my, my feelings associated with those experiences are not innate. They're simply a response. Um, you know, if everyone, if, if pretty much everyone is taller than me, I am going to feel inadequate. I am going to feel. Self-conscious, I am going to feel less than. Um, And it's this relational, these relational cues that make us feel like we belong in a certain place and not another. So in this American high school situation, as kids, you know, go through puberty and go through these different experiences and these, these different like, dynamics, they end up collecting certain pictures of who they are and who the others are. And it doesn't really take much built-in predisposition to react in very predictable ways. Um, if people praise you for your appearance, you're going to follow that. If people praise you for your performance, you're going to follow that. If people praise you or punish you for interacting a certain way with girls or boys that is going to make a difference too and it's like oh why why do these jock guys keep acting like this and why do these cheerleader girls keep acting like this and it's just a it's a, just a pattern i don't even know if this is the right word to call it a trope i heard someone talk about it in the context of movies where um you have the same kind of picture being painted over and over again um are these, you know, it's not as if these kids are like, oh, yeah, I'm like a super cool person and I have my own opinions. You know, we're obviously so vulnerable to the same freaking patterns over and over again. And it has big impacts, I think, for a lot of people for quite a long time, really. You know, if you get bullied and, you know, it can take a lifetime to even understand what happened and kind of get over that. And, you can see, you know, in some of the movies where they go a little bit more in-depth with these stories, you can see that, you know, the jock guys are also judged for certain things. They're also judged very harshly on their performance and how they respond. Um, they would be the ones to be bullied if they didn't say the right thing and they didn't do the right thing. So it's like everyone is subject to this sick game, uh, this sick social game where you are forced to play a role whether or not you like it, whether or not it's got anything to do with you. And some few people, um, are lucky enough to just really identify with that role and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I actually, I'm good with this. I like this. Um, and others don't and, you know, are simply performing what is expected of them. Um, so it is, yeah, you know, there's, there's a good, um, uh, there's a good, um, Kind of analogy in, with the sort of the animal kingdom where you have, um, these wild turkeys. I think they're wild turkeys. I could be wrong. You got these wild turkeys and the way it works is there's no genetic, uh, you know, alpha males and beta males. They're all just males. They're all the same. They're all genetically, um, the same. They're on the same level. And what they do is they have this, uh, competitive dancing. <laughs> I think it is <laughs> um, and they just they can tell um which one of them actually ends up winning, they can tell which one is the best uh they all agree that you know this one is the best one, and then the, and then that while Turkey himself is aware that, oh my God, I've won, you know, so what happens is as a result of this game, the winner. Um, experiences a surge of, I'm going to say testosterone. I'm pretty sure it's testosterone, but again, don't quote me on this. And that reaction physically causes him to develop as an alpha male and the other ones don't. So this realization and feedback alone changes the physical and the mental properties of this individual to behave and to become an alpha male just the realization of you know what yes i'm the biggest you know what yes i'm the smartest you know what yes i'm the most attractive i'm the most developed i'm the least developed i'm the least attractive is a force in its own right and you know whether you happen to really take that badly or well or really suffer because of it, or not be too affected by it. You know, maybe that is more on a personal level. But the actual dynamic of these relationships happening, and these realizations happening, is very powerful. And, you know, relatively predictable. And so that's it, really. You know, transitioning as an adult, it really can feel like you're just going through puberty all over again. Just without anyone else... There with you, <laughs> <sighs> right? I think I'm going to cover a lot of these topics some some more um, in in other episodes because this is branching off into many many other things. But I'll just leave it. I'll leave it here for now. And uh, don't forget to give a rating to the good shit. Catch you next time.